This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Take your Bibles today and turn with me, if you will, please, to the book of Psalms, chapter 33. And this morning, I want to speak on the subject, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And so, this is what we're speaking on today, and I hope that it will be a blessing to your heart. I'm going to be reading beginning in Psalms chapter 33. And uh, if you're looking at your outline today, I'm going to be referencing many scriptures, but primarily in the introduction of the message today, verse 6, 8, 9, 11, and 12. And so you can follow along with us as we uh, read on these big, large screens as well. Psalms chapter 33 I want you to notice the word of the Lord. The Bible says in verse 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. And that's easy to understand because you read Genesis 1 and the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He just stepped out on the portals of nothing and spoke things into existence. Just with the spoken word. You think about that. And the Bible says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever the thoughts of his heart to all generations. And our primary verse for today's message, verse number 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Today we are celebrating the 245th birthday of the United States of America, and I assure you, that did not come easy. Many, many years ago, before the days of television, a lady by the name of Kate Smith had a radio program. Some of you may remember her. How many remember Kate Smith? She was well-loved. She was a very popular singer. And on one evening during her program, she stepped out and introduced America to a brand new song entitled, God Bless America. Whenever I look at an old playback of that version of her doing that, it just still gives me chills. At that particular time in America's history, there was a great deal of patriotism in our land. And this song seemed to have electrified the nation. But when you stop and think about the words in that song, it ought to bring chills upon you as well. In fact, let me remind you of something. Every time that a song is sung, every time that the choir sings, or you as a congregational sing, or we have a special singer, remember this that the music is not just about melodies, it's not just about harmonies, but it should contain a message. 
If you can listen to a song and say, I have no idea what that was about, you probably ought not to listen to it again. Every song should have a message. And this song, this great patriotic song, God Bless America, is filled with great spiritual truths. For example, that song gives great respect to Almighty God. And not only that, but it also expresses a very important Christian perspective, and that is not only acknowledging that there is a God, but also acknowledging that God is the source of all blessings. Not only that, it recognizes our total dependency upon God. So the next time you read the words, God bless America, or you sing the words, God bless America, look at the message that that song contains, great spiritual truths. But that song also points to the 33rd Psalm and verse number 12. Again, the scripture says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Now this morning, I want to tell you by strong conviction, this is not a preference. People have preferences of all sorts, all types, all kinds. People die for convictions. They don't die for preferences. I wouldn't die for a preference of mine, but I would for a conviction. This is a conviction, and I tell you that strongly today. If we're going to survive as a nation, according to this verse of Scripture, Psalms 33, verse 12, then we must have the favor and the blessing of God upon this land. And regardless of what the liberal-minded people of this country think, and by the way, they have a right to think what they want to think, and just like that, I've got a right to think just like I want to think. And you have a right to think what you want to think. I have an opinion. They have an opinion. We all have an opinion. This is America. Roger Babson said many years ago, South America was founded upon men who were seeking gold. But North America was founded upon men who were seeking God. And the truth of the matter is the brave people who crossed the great ocean hundreds of years ago to get here, they were not seeking soil for their plows. They were not seeking grass for their cows. They were not seeking trees for their cabins, but they were most definitely seeking faith and liberty for their soul. The liberal-minded people of today's world do not want you to know this. And they want to erase it from our history books. But it is what the history book has taught me years ago in 1963 when I first started school. And it was the history book that taught me then. It was the history book that taught my dad. It was the history book that taught my granddad. It was the history book that taught my great-granddad. And you can go all the way back to the first history book of this nation. But the truth of the matter is, when the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock, they knelt on their knees and they thanked Almighty God for their safety and their arrival to this new land. And in the years to come, in the framing of this great nation, 
when perilous times had come. Benjamin Franklin did not call for political correctness and for everybody to join hands and sing Kumbaya. He called for the Continental Congress to fall on their knees and pray for God's guidance and his blessing. And this morning, I want you to know that none of us have to wonder what would have happened today if a congressman stood up and said, let's all pray for God's will. Let's all pray for God's guidance. But by the way, that did recently happen. And Jerry Nader said, God's will is no concern for this Congress. But it's my conviction, listen carefully, it should never be regarded as an insult. It should never be regarded as an offense. It should never be regarded as unacceptable and a violation of separation in church and state for America to seek divine guidance and wisdom and intervention of God Almighty. Can somebody out there say amen? Because this is how our country was founded. This is the roots of our country. In the early days of this nation, anyone that knows a thimble about America's history knows that in the dark days of Valley Forge, General George Washington fell on his knees in the snow when the soldiers were starving to death, when they were running out of ammunition, when they were freezing to death in the frigid temperatures that he humbled himself before the holy God of heaven and asked God to divinely intervene. And I will tell you this morning that because of our godly heritage as Americans, and I want you to think about the prosperity that America has enjoyed thus far, the blessings that we have been enjoying up until now. And by the way, we have abundant resources everywhere in the forest, in the fields, in the sea, and in the mines. Our nation in the early stages of its beginning was recognized as a free republic. That means that it was to be governed by law. And here in our nation, our country today, that seems to be fastly eroding. It should be that people can gather in a democracy and place themselves under the law. It should be that every single one of us here in America can gather and express our favorism or we can gather together and express our disagreements. Thank God there's no Gestapo or concentration camps in America yet. Yet in the darkness of the freedoms that we still enjoy today, people desecrate the beauty of it. For example... I thank God for the liberty and the freedom of speech right now. Because you see right now, this very moment, I have the liberty, I have the freedom to preach from this holy book, the holy word of God. At the same time, the Muslim, he can preach and pray to Allah. The Buddhist, he can preach and pray to Buddha. We live in a land where there is supposed to be religious freedom. That is the acknowledgement of our heritage. But this morning, let me share with you, you see these flags beautifully aligned. Each one of you hold one in your hand. You see the pulpit beautifully draped with one. You have just all patriotically waved it as the choir sing. I want you to see something very special, maybe that you're not aware of about the flag, flags, banners. 
Turn your Bibles with me, if you will, to the book of Exodus chapter 17, and I want you to see this. Maybe I will teach somebody something for the very first time this morning. I don't know. God knows. I pray that it will be a blessing to you no matter what. But I want you to read this with me. And beginning in Exodus chapter 17, verse number 8 through 15, I'll give you the breakdown of the story in just a minute. But we begin reading with Exodus 17, verse number 8, right on through verse 15. Exodus 17, verse 8, then came Amalek. That's a message all in itself, by the way. I could preach all day on those three words. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought and Amalek with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will certainly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses, look at verse 15, and Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisai. I want you to underline that because that's a personal name for God. You can find a personal name for God throughout the Old Testament. One classic reference in the personal name for God is when God told Abraham to take his son Isaac, his only son whom he loved, up to the pinnacle of Mount Moriah and offer him there as a sacrifice. Abraham, by faith, was willing to do it, got all the way to the plunging of the knife. God stopped his hand, provided a ram in the thicket of the bush, and God provided the lamb, and he told Abraham, he said, I don't need his life. I'm just looking for his faith. And then he told Abraham, I want you to change the name of this place. From Mount Moriah, I want you to change it to Jehovah Jireh, and that means the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh is a personal name for God. Now, as you read here in the Bible, Jehovah Nisai is a personal name for God as well. And let me say this, that this is the only time in the Bible where we find these words, Jehovah Nisai, that's important. It's a personal name for God, and this is what it means. The Lord, our banner or the Lord our flag. It's directly involving when Moses and the Israelites, they were wandering out in the wilderness. Most of you are familiar with the story. And in the middle of the journey, while they're wandering in the wilderness, a tribe called the Amalekites tried to overpower them. Now, you have to remember something very important here. When Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, 450 years they had been in captivity, when Moses is leading the children of Israel out, he did not leave with a military escort. 
You have to understand this, that when Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Pharaoh's palace, he, he was leading shepherds and herdsmen. He was leading women and children. He was leading livestock and all of their possessions. So he had no military experience. He had no military escort. He just had ordinary, everyday-to-day life people with him. So they get along in the wilderness journey, and all of a sudden the Amalekites are looking at these people, and they said, this is easy picking. This is easy prey. We're going to have a field day with this group. And so the Amalekites set their sail on attacking the people of God, the children of Israel. Moses saw all of this developing, and he told Joshua, he said, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a big fight. And he said, I'm going up to the top of the hill and I'm going to preside over this battlefield. You look to me for instructions. And so Joshua assembled some type of ragtag army with him and went out to fight the Amalekites. And when he was approaching the battlefield, he took the time to look at the top of the hill. But there wasn't just Moses standing there. When Joshua looked at the top of the hill, there was a man named Aaron, his brother, and a man named Hur. They three were standing there on top of the mountain. And notice this now. They, they had no military. They had no military experience. But what they did have was what no other nation on the face of the earth had. They had a pillar of fire and a cloud of smoke. No one else had that to their advantage. That was the very presence of God. And so God gave Joshua very strategic instructions and he told him what to do. He said, I'm going up to the hill. He said, you watch for my command. And when the battle started, you know the story. Joshua looked at the top of the hill. He saw these three people. The fighting began. Moses just simply raised his hands over the battlefield. And as he was holding up his hands, the word of God says that Israel rallied and they prevailed. When Moses got tired and he, he began to get weary and his hands would sag a little bit, the Amalekites rallied and they began to win. And so Aaron and Hur, they began to see what was happening here. When his hands were up, Israel was winning. When his hands got tired and weary, the Amalekites were winning. And so what Aaron and her did, they found a stone. They drugged the stone over to where Moses was. They said, sit on this rock. Moses sat down and Aaron lifted up one hand and her lifted up the other hand. And according to the word of God, Israel won that battle. Israel won in the name of God, in the name of the Lord. God showed the nation of Israel that he himself had conquered this battle. The point being that God was their banner. That's what Jehovah Nisai means. God is our banner or God is our flag. Now let me say this. Flags and banners mean something. They have a message in them. Flags and banners, they are raised to honor nations. They're raised to honor soldiers, and they are raised to honor public places. And to tell you the truth, listen carefully, I'm personally saddened by the desecration of our beloved American flag and our own country. It disappoints me when we have Olympian athletes who go to train for 
to win the medal, who when they win, who stand backwards and turn their back on the American flag. That saddens me. I don't know what it does to you, but it saddens me. You know, I have, we have a basketball team here in our school. I coached the basketball team, the high school team, and the JV team. And I told the boys, I told the team this, listen, we're not going to have any of that nonsense in our athletic program. When the national anthem is played, everybody's going to stand. And I said, we're going to stand. We're going to put our hands on our heart. And I said, and then when we get out there on the floor, we're going to behave ourselves. We're going to respect the flag. We're going to respect our neighbor. If you see a teammate fall down, pick him up. If you see somebody on the other team, pick him up. Our philosophy is this. It's not all about how we play on the floor, but it's how we walk out the door. That's important to me because here's the thing. When the game is over with, I don't want those people that's come to watch us play or the other team that's come to watch us play think that we're a bunch of non-respectable thugs. I want them to know that there's patriotism in us. There's respect in us. And I want them to know this, that if I have anybody breaking down the system, there is going to be a consequence to that later. We were in a big game not too long ago. And when this story really happened and our star player had almost broke his finger, I believe he actually broke it. They had to take him out of the game. They had to take him to the hospital. We finished the game. We lost. The very next game, and they, and my starting five started to demonstrate some attitudes because of that. And I let them know quick, hey, fellas, it's not about how only we play on the floor, but it's how we walk out the door. Remember the philosophy. I gave them a great warning. There was a little nip and tug throughout the whole game. And the next game turned around, and my starting five, oh, they were looking good and they, they were ready to prance out there with the music and they were ready to hear their number called and they were ready to stand in line. And what they didn't know is that I had changed the starting five and I had put in the whole second string team. And so when they stood there and they began to realize that they were not going to start the game, their mouths dropped to the floor. And I said this, Listen, every one of y'all can be replaced. I said, these boys right here may not be as good as you, but they're going to play tonight. They're going to start this game, not you. And if I have one more attitude out of any of y'all, you can, you can play croquet. You won't play basketball with me. But here's the thing. When you train for a medal, listen, you're trained in this country, you're training to represent a flag. You're training to represent the United States. And listen, if somebody's going to walk up there under the stars and stripes and turn their back on the nation for which they train to represent, you know what I believe? If that's the way they want to do it, then I would say, all right, then you learn how to pole vault backwards and you learn how to run backwards and you learn how to box backwards. I'd like to say, I'd pay money to see that. I'm telling you this, there's pride in America. We need to get it back. We need to hang on to it. Listen, all over the world, even in the United States, there are judges and lawyers and movements trying to take out one nation under God from the Pledge of Allegiance. There are pockets of individuals everywhere who have no respect for our flag. 
It's sad to say, but open flag burning today is now permitted and to be perceived to be a freedom of expression within a person's constitutional rights. But I wonder, and I've heard other preachers say this, and I could say amen to every single one of them. I've heard other preachers expound upon this, and I would say amen. I'm joining that with you. I wonder if the flag could talk, if a message from this flag would take place. I wonder if the flag would say, would somebody please spit on me? Or would somebody set me on fire? I wonder if this flag could talk, would it say, somebody urinate on me? It ought to crush our hearts to the core of our soul to know that people are given the right in America to do that, but that exists. If our flag could speak, this is what I believe it would say. I'm the flag of the United States of America, and I was conceived in the dreams of liberty and in the hopes of freedom. I was designed by a patriot named Betsy Ross, and her sewing basket was my cradle. I was adopted by the Continental Congress in 1777 and proclaimed the national emblem of a nation newly born on this continent, fighting violently or vigilantly for survival and destined to bring all mankind a new concept of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I've been to many places and I've seen many things. I have witnessed every single event of American history. I was there when they fired the shot that was heard around the world. I was there in the twilight that inspired Francis Scott Key to write our national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner. I saw Molly Pitcher take the cannon swap from the hands of her dead husband and help carry on the fight for freedom. I felt the bitter cold at Valley Forge and gave warmth and comfort to General George Washington to his tired and hungry Continental Army. I rode with Ethan Allen and the Green Mountain Boys. I saw the signal that started the midnight ride of Paul Revere. I was flown upon the decks of the old Ironsides and from the mast of the Yankee and China Clippers. I blazed the trail with Daniel Boone. I waved farewell to the four immortal chaplains who went down with their ship to honor or glory. I've seen many things to, among many people. I am the inseparable link in the chain that binds men to God and country. Each link welded in the fires of purity by sacred hands, the sacred hands of God himself. And because I'm on the side of God, the godless would destroy me, but they dared not because I'm protected by the mighty land army of this nation and by the powerful fleet of the United States Navy and the screaming eagles of the air force who are constantly watching and waiting to swoop down and destroy anything that could harm me. For some people, listen, I am yesterday, I am today, and I'm tomorrow. Where there is equality and faith and hope and charity, truth and brotherly love, there I am also. If I could speak, says the flag, I am the stars and the stripes, I am old glory and the emblem of liberty. I do not know about you, but I thank God, listen carefully this morning, for America. I'm thankful that we live in a land today where we can fly this flag and where people are willing to die to honor its liberty that it represents. When I think about our flag, I am reminded of God's divine blessings on this nation. Can somebody say amen? Let me catch my breath here just for a minute. Number three, real quickly, I want you to know challenges, difficult challenges are still ahead. 
In Psalms 33:11, let's look at that scripture again. Psalms 33:11, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever, and the people, the thoughts in his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. I'm glad today to tell you that God is not dead. God is alive and God has not changed. But I'm also reminded of the pressing issues and the political correctness that threatens our land today, trying to disintegrate everything America ever stood for. There are so many things that oppose Christian liberties in our land, so many things. The atheists, they're growing in staggering numbers. But I will tell you this, if there's a comic book in heaven, atheism is on its pages. I heard about a a man, a boasting atheist that was scolding a little boy in his neighborhood. He said, every Sunday morning I see you get in your car and you ride with your mother to church. And he said, I think that's the most stupidest thing. He said, "I, I just can't believe you do that. I can't believe that you believe in all of that stuff. He was taunting the little boy and had done that for a long time. One day, the elderly man walked out in the yard and started it all up again. He said, hey, I'll tell you what. He said, I'll give you a big red apple if you can tell me where God is. And the little boy said, hey, I'll give you a bushel of them if you can tell me where he's not. (laughs) Now you think about that. I want you to understand something that we're living in a day and time where people have not only turned their back on this flag, but they've turned their back on God. Sad to say, but a lot of people who have been in church for years, they're departing the faith. And my brothers and sisters, I call on you today, encourage you to stand on your faith, stand on your freedom, stand on the word of God. Look at Psalms 33, 12 again. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Lastly, and our musicians coming. What can we do in this day of mess, this day of turmoil? What can we do? The Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. We can win souls. We can disciple and evangelize new converts. We can continue to send missionaries around the world. We can continue to be faithful in the house of God. We can continue to preach the whole counsel of the word of God, not just some of it, not just part of it, not just the feel-good stuff. Listen, but speak all of it, tell all of it, preach all of it. I'm, I'm so glad today, listen, while there's air in my lungs and a sound brainwave in my head, I am going to preach the truth, the whole counsel of the word of God until God shuts me up, sits me down. I don't know what he'll do, but I'll tell you this, I'm going to preach until he says stop. Preach the word of God, the whole counsel of the word of God. We've got to remain firm in our attitudes and morals of the Bible. We must learn never to stop praying for the Lord's imminent return. The last prayer of the Bible, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus.
should be our prayer and our heart vow every single day. Here's the thing, 245 years, this flag has represented this great country. Don't ever turn your back on America. Don't ever turn your back on this flag and the country that it represents. Because when we as a nation, when apostasy rules, God will turn his back on us. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.